This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Has anybody ever prayed for a playground? I have. Matter of fact, I've prayed so much for a playground when the first time I saw this video in first service, I actually got choked up. Don't do that. (laughs) Just got weird. Um, So let me tell you why I get emotional when I think about that playground. As we were putting this video together, I was reminded of of the whole process and and, uh, and the puzzle pieces and how we asked everyone, hey, we need you to do your part, and if you can do your part, then we can get it all done. And and a lot of people said, you know, I'm going to do what I can. And and some people did garage sales to raise their part, and and some people just put money aside for a few weeks or months to to get to, to the part that they felt God wanted them to give. And they would always, a few of them would come, come up to me and say, hey, we, we did our part this morning. But most people said, but we wish we could have done more. And so for everyone who, who wishes they could have done more, I want to tell you a real brief story about that playground without crying, because that would be really weird. Um, we, when we started this project, I came to Pastor Mike, our former senior pastor, with the budget for the playground, and I got one of those, try again, looks. And so we cut the budget in half, and we, and we tried to do more with less. And, and so I began scouring the Internet. I looked nationally and internationally. And, I, and at that moment, two years ago, I found some, some used units that would fit our needs. And they were within our budget, and I I thought, well, if I had cash on hand right now, then I might be able to go make an offer for a little less and and get a playground that's suitable for us. Because we just needed a better playground. Because the current one, there wasn't a current one. It was was bad. And so so that was the plan. So we went into this thing with, with that in mind. And so phase one, we knocked it out. Phase two, we knocked it out. And you guys just kept giving. And by the time we, the money was raised for phase three, I started looking. It's nothing. I found nothing. I looked everywhere. Scoured Craigslist nationally. Didn't find anything. And so I began to pray. Oh, my God. I told people we'd have a playground. Our kids know on a playground. I need a playground. Can you help me? And so then I would just kept looking. I didn't find anything. And I started telling the guys in staff meetings about, you know, the costs of these things. And they looked at me and, and uh, both Audie and Luke. So how much did you budget for this? Um, and I was like, ah, I don't know. We're just, we're just we're going make it, to make it happen. And so I just kept looking. And, and I came across one that was suitable. It would meet our needs. And, but it was broken. It was had a real busted up piece. And so I called the manufacturer and I said, hey, I need to buy a part for this. Could you, could I buy it from you? Because I'm looking to buy this. And, and I called this company and because I wasn't buying a full playground, nobody really wanted to talk to me. So I got passed on and on and on and on. But during this year, two years of planning, I wasn't the only one planning. God was in the mix. So as I was getting passed on and on and on, I finally came to a, a guy by the name of Sandy Gibbs. And Sandy Gibbs says, send me the link. I'll see what I can do. So I sent him the link, and he, and he wrote back to me and gave me the response I thought a salesman would give me. I think you want to pass on this one. It's really old. Um, I don't think it's going to meet what you need. But if you give me a chance, I might be able to come across something for you. If you got time. 
sure, knock yourself out. I probably can't afford what you got anyway, so go ahead. Get, you know, thank you. Hang up. Well, two months later, he calls me, and he says, I think I may have a playground for you. He says, a, a group in Waldo, Florida, are, is getting rid of their unit and putting a brand new one in, and I think I might be able to get that one for you. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, how much? How much? He said, oh, I'm, I'm not selling it to you. I'm going to give it to you. So, yeah. So in June, Sandy Gibbs, a brother in the Lord, shows up with his trailer loaded with our new playground. And he unloaded it for us, and we thanked him. And, and he asked, the only thing I want to return is I want a picture of you sliding down that slide. I can do that. I haven't got it yet, but I, I will get it. Um, so a lot of you who said, I wish I could have done more, I just want to remind you, a lot of times when we give, God does the increase after we give. And so when you gave your part, God increased it in our hands. And the playground that we have, if we were to go out in the market and look at it, it is well over $35,000. It's got some pretty neat pieces to it, and we got it for free. So... When I see that playground, I'm reminded that God is faithful, that he knows our heart's desire. And all I want to do is get a better playground, but God wanted a great playground, and that's what he gave us. And so even in this relatively small things, he is faithful. And so I just want to thank God and thank you guys uh, for all that you did to do your part. So thank you. And now we're going to get to why you're all here. Um, get to the part I actually prepared for. Um, it is uh, National Dress Like Your Pastor Day. I feel like uh, I'm the only one that got that memo. Starting to think maybe Luke put it on my calendar. Um, but no, we've been talking about honor. Um, and so I just wanted to honor you, Pastor Adi. Um, I, I caused found out what you're wearing, and I just wanted to honor you. <laughs> but honor has been our topic for the last five weeks, and, and, and we have been discussing this, this thing. And, and the more I think about it, the more I listen to the teachings, the more I'm convinced that honor is the answer to a lot of problems. A lot of problems that are all the way up in the highest offices of government, all the way down to what might have happened in your own home this morning. Honor can be a countercultural idea, but I don't think it's going to be that foreign to us, the church. Because I actually think that we, the church, have a firsthand experience of what honor means. Because after all, honor means to esteem highly. And when you honor someone, you esteem them as valuable. And the greater the value, the more you're willing to bend your life for that which you honor. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He esteemed us as valuable, and he bent his life in order to reach us. So we are here today as a direct byproduct of God's honoring of us. Our lives look completely different because of how God honored us. So this morning, in view of how God has honored us, I want to discuss one more group of people to honor, the little ones in our lives. 
And for today's purpose, that includes the people between zero and the ripe old age of 18. I want to talk about how we can communicate to them that they are valuable and that we recognize their needs. I heard a story not long ago here at church, and I wanted to share it with you again, but with a little different application. See, there was an elderly man who owned a very large field. And on his deathbed, he called his two sons close, and he said, there's treasure in the field. Sons being surprised, they looked at each other, and they looked back to ask dad where, but dad had passed away. So after the funeral, they grabbed their shovels, and they started digging. Months and months of digging go by, they found nothing. They thought, well, maybe dad buried it when he was young, and maybe now trees are growing over it. So they started cutting trees down. After a year of cutting trees down and digging and removing rocks, they found no treasure. So they gave up the treasure hunt, but they didn't want to let a good field go to waste, so they decided to plant it. So they tilled the ground, and they planted the seeds, and at harvest, they received a bumper crop. And this happened for many years to come, providing enough for both men and their families. And so... In our story, there, there are three characters. The first character is the elderly man. The second character are the two sons. And the third character is the field. Now, the elderly man can, be, can represent God. And the two sons represent an adult in a child's life. And the field is a child. So... The father said to the sons, there's treasure in the field. And in the same way, as you will see this morning, God will tell us there is treasure wrapped up in your children. The two sons, when they heeded their dad's advice, they did something very neat. They, they cleared the land and they, and they moved all the obstacles and they created an environment in which gave that field great potential. In the same way, as an adult in a child's life, whether you're a parent or a member of the church, you have the opportunity to create a nurturing environment for kids that gives them the potential for growth. This goes way beyond just coloring walls and putting in furniture. I'm talking about creating an environment in which a child can feel, feel safe, feel welcomed, feel wanted. The way you honor kids can actually create an environment that allows them to grow. The treasure in this story was not a box of, of gold that just simply needed to be unearthed. It was much more complicated than that. The treasure was the harvest or the byproduct of the two men's hard work. This kind of treasure reminds me of the treasure God gives us in raising our children. The treasure is found in the hard work, changing the diapers, assembling the bikes, the disciplining, the teaching, the listening. The treasure is the relationship that is formed. Don't miss the significance of a relationship because a relationship is one of the most powerful influences on the planet. We honor kids by building a strong relationship with them. And when we do, that child's life is never the same. And the said can be true of you. The treasure is in the relationship, and we develop that relationship through honor. So whatever stage of life you're at, whether you have little ones or big ones at home, or they've moved on, 
I want to give you some encouragement this morning. I want to encourage you through, through God's word, and I want to encourage you to value kids. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are for us. We thank you that you have a plan. And we thank you that you are here in our midst. So, Father, I just commit everything to you this morning. I pray that this word that goes forth, it would be with your spirit's power. I pray that it would fall upon hearts that are hungry to follow you. I pray that you would just show us what we need to see through this lesson. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So honoring kids for me is a really, really big topic because there's so many how-tos and when-tos and podcasts I can send you to. But I wanted to make sure that I didn't neglect the why. So I'm going to start there. Because if you don't know why you do something, you're going to have a very hard time of placing a value on it. So why do we honor kids? I think we would all on the surface say, yeah, we should honor kids. But why? Because they're cute? No, because they're not always going to be cute. Is it because maybe they're sweet and nice? Well, no, because they're not always going to be sweet and nice. Even when they're cute, sometimes they're not sweet and nice. So what do we do when our kids are not sweet and nice? We have to have a bigger why to honor them. And so I want to start with the first why. It's a very big one, and it's a very simple one. Why do we honor kids? Because Jesus did. Jesus honored little children. When Jesus was on the earth, he didn't, he walked the earth and he used children to make an example. He pulled one child aside and said, hey guys, to all the disciples, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, become like this kid. And if you want to be great, become like him. Stop doing what you're doing, start doing what they're doing. Jesus elevated children in a culture where children were not well treated. They were not highly valued. He didn't elevate very many people when he walked the earth. There was a few that caught his attention. But when it came to children as a whole, I believe Jesus elevated children to the point, to the absolute highest point he, the Son of God, could possibly elevate them. And after I share with you what he said in Mark 9, I think you might agree with me. I don't think any more honor could be bestowed upon a child after this verse. Let's read Mark 9, 36 together. It says, he took a child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said, whoever welcomes one of these little ones in my name welcomes me. And he who welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is the same way you're going to treat me, treat this kid. Did you guys in the back catch that? Jesus said the same value you, would put, you place upon me, give it to them. The same honor you would bestow upon me, give it to them. The same way you would treat the Son of God or God himself, treat the child that way. What? I mean, Jesus really gives us something to think about here. I mean, I think if anyone else said it in the Bible, we might be able to work our way around it. But Jesus said it. It's right there. Go check it out at home. And it's in your Bible, too. He said it. 
We can't get around that fact. So the only appropriate question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with what Jesus just said about kids? This verse helps us see the tremendous value Jesus places on children, but it also helps us see his expectations of how we should treat them. The second reason why we honor kids is very simple, because they need us to. Honoring a child is more important than honoring an adult. Now, what I mean by more important is that there's just more at stake. Like, for example, say one of you came up to me after the service and you said, Hey, Pastor Carl, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Your scriptures were misquoted. You didn't interpret it right. Um, you were all over the map. I, I, I couldn't follow you. The delivery of, it was just lame. And your shoes didn't match. So I think you should, you should just not ever do that again. When you were done, I would thank you for your feedback. And then I would probably process it a little bit longer than I should. Um, but eventually I would go to my wife and I would tell her what you said. And, and she would tell, you, tell me you're crazy. And she would say some real nice things to me. But eventually I'm going to go to Jesus. And I'm going to cast my cares upon him because he loves me. And within 24 hours, I'm going to be fine. You probably won't get a Christmas card from me. <laughs> but I'm going to be fine. But now, let's say one of you stood up right now, went next door and pulled one of the kids out of small group. And you stared at them down your nose. What are you doing here? You don't fit in here. I heard the things you were saying. It's, it's silly. You don't, you don't, obviously, you don't have an understanding of the Bible, and, and I don't know what you're doing here. You don't fit in. Maybe you should try another church, because I just don't think this is the right fit for you, and your clothes don't match. Now, I don't care how many people that kid talks to and processes your words with, 24 years from now, your words will still echo in their hearts. What is done to a child has a greater impact than what is done to an adult. We can agree with, on that, can't we? That is true of how you love, how you communicate, but especially how you honor. Because when you see a child, you see a heart and a mind that is like a wet clay. It's moldable, impressionable, and to a certain extent, breakable. So when you interact with a child, you need to esteem them as valuable, but you also must handle them gently. Because even the smallest word or gesture can have a huge impact, and you want to avoid any unwanted damage. I heard a story about a, a church having a meeting about their, their small group ministry on Sundays. And they're asking the question, how can we improve our small group experience for our kids? One of the girls who was a new hire, she said, hey, you guys want to know what the best thing my small group leader ever did for me? And the leader realized, oh, you know what, this, this girl actually has grown up through our church and, and lived through our small group ministry. So, yeah, we really want to hear from you. What is the best thing your small group leader ever did for you? 
So she told him, back in fifth grade, I was really nervous about a test, so I brought it up in small group. The day before my test, my mom told me I had a call. It was my small group leader. She called to tell me that she was thinking about me and praying for me and that she thought I was going to do a great job on that test. That's it. It's not huge. <laughs> but actually, that's what kind of what makes it huge, isn't it? I mean, think about it. There was, there was no face-to-face -face conversation. There was no major confessions or commitments made. There wasn't even a scripture shared. But even the smallest word or gesture can carry a huge impact. Because watch what happens. Not only does this adult remember what happened in fifth grade, but she remembered it verbatim. And as an adult, she labeled that phone call the best thing her small group leader ever did for her. We honor our kids when we understand how we influence them. By understanding the weight of our words and our actions. So what you do for a child has a greater impact. Because whether they know it or not, they are constantly pulling information in. For an infant between the ages of zero and three, there are a quadrillion brain cells. That's more brain cells than the body will ever have again. And those brain cells are constantly processing and assessing information. So when a baby starts to coo or gaga, they're actually learning to communicate. And when they hear the mom or dad's voice, they are learning the value of relationship because they're connecting that voice with comfort and food. And so a bond begins to form. When their eyes begin to focus, all of a sudden the world starts filling their minds with data. They're constantly learning. Psychologists say that a child's play is their work. So when you see that four-year-old running through the house, he's actually working on his motor skills. He's discovering velocity. He's understanding the, the value of depth of field ratios and the skill of pain aversion. All of which every one of us have used this morning. So if I was to quantify what a child learns between the ages of 0 and 18, it would be 30 times more than what it, an adult between 18 and 60 would learn. We can't miss this moment in our kids' lives. We honor our little ones because they need us to have an impact on them. It's, God, it's God's design. He designed it so that there would be people that love them that would make an impression upon them. He wants us to have an impact on them. So now that we have a greater understanding of a child's value and what their needs are, I'm going to give you some practical advice on how to show some honor. As children begin to grow, they're, they're, they're constantly engulfing information. Infants are pulling information out of the environment Elementary kids are asking questions. How does this work? How do birds fly? Where do babies come from? Mommy, why is daddy's belly bigger than yours? <laughs> questions, constant questions. Middle schoolers learn through experience because now all of a sudden they have more freedom in their life. High schoolers begin taking all the information they've accumulated in life and they begin to apply it ethically and morally in their life, not only to their current situation, but now they're thinking future. And when I think about the way the human body was designed and how it was designed to function, 
both physically, mentally, and emotionally, I am amazed. I am truly amazed. But I'm forced to ask the question, why did God make it that way? Why did God design the human body that way? Why are babies' brains so absorbent? Why are kids constantly asking questions? Why are teenagers driven by experience and acceptance? It's a fair question. He did it this way because he hopes there will be a group of people surrounding those children as they grow up. A group of people who love them for who they are, who recognize their needs, and are willing to move in. In Deuteronomy 6, we get a glimpse of God's plan to honor the next generation. Now, from this passage, we will see four things that we can do to honor our kids. They're really complicated, so we're going to put them up on the screen so you can prepare your mind and so you can figure out how to spell them. Look up, show up, speak up, and keep up. In Deuteronomy 6, we find the nation of Israel at a critical point in their history. Let me give you a little backstory. The nation up to this point has experienced God's deliverance from slavery. They've experienced God's faithfulness throughout moving through a desert. And now they're within eyesight of the promised land. The land that God promised them that says, in this you will live in houses you didn't build. You will enjoy fruits from vineyards you didn't plant. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is also a critical point in Israel's history because Moses, their leader, is not going with them. He's staying behind. So let's put ourselves in Moses' sandals for a moment. As Moses ponders where they're going, I think he might get a little nervous. A little apprehension starts to rise up. Because, see, Moses understands they're going to a land flowing with milk and honey, which means there's prosperity there. Lots of opportunity for fortune and fame. He also understands there's going to be, they're going to live in houses and cities they didn't build. Enjoy fruit from labor, from vineyards they didn't plant. And he thinks, well, since all this other work has already been done for them, they might find themselves being very busy with other things. And then there's the, the case of the other nations, the other influences that don't think or believe the way they do. Does that sound like a land familiar to anybody? A land that has so much opportunity to be busy and enough voices in there to, to if we're not careful, allow ourselves to be carried away from both God and our families? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a land I know. So Moses gathers all of Israel up and says, all right, guys, before you go over there without me, can I give you some advice? I want to give you some advice on how you can succeed in this new land. And some of that advice, advice is how to honor the next generation. So we pick it up in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. It says, the Lord your God has directed me to teach you his commands, rules, and laws. Obey them in the land you will take over when you go across the Jordan River. Then you, your children, and their children after you will honor the Lord your God as long as you live. Obey all his rules and commands I'm giving you. If you do, you will enjoy long life. In verse 2, Moses makes it very clear his purpose. I don't, not only want you blessed, but I want your children and your children's children blessed. In verse 4, he gives us the first step to honoring kids. Look up. He says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. So Moses says, as you travel through this new land with all these new experiences, never lose sight of God. Look up. Keep your eyes fixed on God the Father who has carried you this far, who has, who has plans for you. The best thing you can do for a child in your life is to have an authentic faith of your own. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be real. And then all you do is live out the gospel, and they just watch. Not only do they watch, but you become a better person in the process. In verse 7, he gets to the hardest part of honoring kids, the showing up part. In verse 7, he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, you can't do any of that unless you've already decided, I'm going to show up in a child's life. Now, when I say show up, I mean mentally and physically, okay? We've all been in that conversation where the person's there physically, but mentally they are a million miles away. So you got to have both for it to count, right? Now, there's two groups of people I want to talk to real quick. Uh, the first group is parents. As a parent, you can't help but show up, right? Your kids won't leave you alone. <laughs> At 5.30 in the morning, I have a bouncy, chipper young boy. Hi, Daddy. How you doing? It's morning time. Daddy, you awake? Daddy, what are you doing? It's, it's morning time. So showing up for a parent physically, that's the easy part. It's, it's the mental part that we, we struggle with. So for parents, it comes down to a very simple choice. And so I'm going to make a list of possible things you can give mental energy to, say, at the end of your day after you get off work. Let's see, there's Facebook, there's Pinterest, there's Fox News, uh, there's your phone, there is Instagram. Um, there, oh, there is um, the latest season of Netflix. That's right. Yeah, there's that one. And, oh, there's your kids. There's your kids. Don't forget the kids. So you, you base your choice on the answer to this question. Which one of these things is the most valuable to me? I like asking questions that just get straight to the heart of the matter. Because you, as a parent, you, you need to understand that the world is constantly pressing in on you. And there are moments in your day where you just have to cut it off. You have to ignore it. So turn the, shut the computer down. Turn the TV off. Ignore the phone. Ignore the phone. Ignore the phone. What you need to do with the phone is you need to take it somewhere where you can't see it or hear it. But don't put it so far away that anxiety comes. We don't want to go overboard. <laughs> but by doing this, you help yourself to follow through with your decision. The decision of, I'm going to spend 15 to 30 minutes with my kids today. Focused interaction. Yeah, I said 15 or 30. I'm not asking you to play four rounds of Monopoly with them. It doesn't take much. But, but here's what I know as a parent. I know as a parent, if you spend 15 minutes with your kids, a focused interaction, your heart and your mind are going to light up. And you're going to be reminded all over again that your kids are amazing. 
just takes that choice. So now let's talk to the second group, the church. Now, the hardest part for the church to do is to show up physically. Now, that's not an accusation or a judgment. It's just true. I mean, we're busy. I mean, I have a hard time showing up for some of my own things. Like corporate prayer. Like we've been doing this for years. And there's two weeks where I completely forget about it. I don't know why. But showing up is hard to do. But when you, the church, show up physically, you show up mentally 100% every time. Because you're scheduled. Because you've been planning it. You've been praying about it. You're ready to go. So how do we overcome this difficulty of, of showing up physically? I think we make a big mistake. One of the biggest hindrances, I should say, is, is not the questions we ask, but it's who we ask them to. Now, the right question is, how should I show up in a child's life? But sometimes I think we make a mistake when we ask ourselves that question. Because when we ask ourselves the question, how should I show up in a child's life? The immediate obstacles are our calendar, our weaknesses or fears. And those obstacles become insurmountable because we just sincerely can't fathom a way around them. But what if we ask the right question to the right person? And we ask God, how should I show up in a child's life? Your calendar, weaknesses, or fears are not going to be an obstacle to God. God will always give you the grace to be where he's called you to be. And it's a beautiful thing when the church of God rises up and shows up where God called them to be. It's a beautiful thing when you show up. The third step to honoring kids is to speak up. Verse 6 and 7 says, These commandments are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. That word impress is a great word. Because not only does it mean to make an impression on, like, I don't know, like a wet piece of clay. But it also means to teach. But more than just teach, it actually means to cause your student to learn. So what Moses is saying, he's saying, hey, guys, God has given us some great commandments. Do whatever it takes so that your kids learn them. God has done some great things for us in our lives personally. Do what you have to to make sure your kids never forget that. God has amazing plans for us. Always remind your kids of those promises. When it comes to speaking up in a child's life, I think we should speak up often and we should speak up with others. Speaking up often is very simple. Simply determine what the kids around you need and put that on repeat. Find out what questions your kids are asking. Answer them. Consistency and repetition are key in the process of learning for a child. We should also speak up with others. Now, this speech Moses gives is not to parents alone. No, he starts out in verse 4, hear, O Israel. So he's talking to the entire faith community. So parents, you're not alone, which is good. Because there's going to come a time in every child's life when they will look for guidance from somebody else besides their parents. And that's actually okay. Because 
in order for a child to make their parents' faith their own faith, they need to start hearing from other people. And so we should speak up with others. So parents, we have a choice. You can let your kids look on their own for other adults to give them validation, or you can be a part of the process and pursue strategic relationships for them. An example from my life is my sister-in-law, Annie. Annie has a tremendous voice in my daughter's life. I know Annie's walk with Christ, so I trust whatever advice she gives my daughter. And this is really a beautiful thing because there may come a time in my daughter's life where she, isn't, she doesn't, doesn't feel comfortable talking to her mom or dad about something. I know Annie's there for her. And I'm glad for that because she's going to need the voice of somebody else. So speaking up with others can really become a beautiful thing. And we can be the one driving that. The final thing we can do to, is to honor kids is to keep up. It's so easy to give in to tiredness at the end of the day. I mean, the couch is so much easier than dodgeball or chase or wrestling or dolls. But unfortunately, the I've had a long day attitude blinds us of opportunities for relationship. But when I speak of keeping up, I'm actually talking a lot more than just your level of energy. Because we need to keep up with who our children are becoming. As kids develop, they go through phases. And with each one of these phases, there are mental and physical changes. Like, for example, a toddler. They take three times as many steps as an adult. So when a two-year-old looks to you and says, hold me, they're not being lazy. They're actually working 75% harder than you are. <laughs> or maybe you know a teenager or one lives in your house, and they have forgotten what you told them to do again. <laughs> really? Again? Now, that can be very frustrating, unless, unless you understand that what happens between the ages of 12 and 18 in a teenager's brain, there's this major process called pruning, where the brain is actually cutting off portions of the brain to make room for stronger existing structures. So that's why they forget. They're losing their mind. <laughs> they're just, they're losing it. And there's nothing we can do. But when you understand they're losing their mind, it changes the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. Instead of coming across as, how many times do I have to tell you? It changes to, hey, um, how can I help you in this area? I noticed you're losing your mind. What can I do to help you get through? Understanding these phases will give you insight on how to honor a child. It will help you understand what their needs are. The other way we keep up is we keep the rhythm. Deuteronomy 6, 7 illustrates a rhythm. It says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, what I love about this is this fits the rhythm of every one of your lifestyles, including mine. 
It agrees with all of our lifestyles. Because all of us at some point have to get out of bed. Right? And then we leave. And then we come back. And we sit down. And then we go to bed. It's the same for all of us. The only thing that's different is where we go and how long we stay there. So Moses teaches us in this passage to impress God's word upon our kids every day. Four times a day. So by raising hands, who has enough time to write four Bible studies a day? Darn it. I was really hoping to have some help. <laughs> no. No, I know, I know, none of us do, right? I mean, I have the time to do that. But actually, this is an area that I am very passionate about. And I can help you keep this rhythm. I actually already have a three-year cycle of biblical lessons that teach pertinent moral and spiritual lessons to a preschooler and to an elementary age kid. And, and we introduce these topics every month. And every Sunday, I start a conversation about this topic. And I hope that you take this topic and you drive it home Monday through Saturday by using what we call a parent cue. A parent cue is designed off of Deuteronomy 6. It coincides with the natural rhythms of your life. And so at bedtime, it'll give you an activity that connects back to the story that we just taught. At dinner time, it'll give you something to talk about. When you wake up, it'll give you an activity to do with your toddler or elementary age kid that connects back to the truth that we shared just a few days earlier. Repetition, consistency, critical in learning for a child. It's my hope that what happens on Sunday is not just a resource for you, but I hope that it becomes a catalyst for what happens in your home Monday through Saturday. I can help you keep this rhythm if we work together. So how do we honor our kids? We look up. By focusing on God, our hearts stay on what matters. We show up. We determine we are surrounded by kids who are valuable enough to show up for. We speak up. We determine what needs to be said, and we say it as often as possible. We keep up, understanding that knowing our kids is an ongoing process. We began this morning talking about how God first honored us. And I'm hoping that we would take what God has honored us with and we would turn to the next generation and honor them with the same honor. But I want to look at Ephesians 5 as we close. And as I read this scripture, I just want you to think about what God's done in your life, about what you can do in the, gen in the life of another generation. Ephesians 5 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This verse is talking about choosing a lifestyle of fruitfulness. To live as a wise follower of Christ who understands that there are opportunities placed in front of you. And we should take advantage of them. And according to Jesus and Moses, 
honoring the young people around you is possibly the most fruitful and wise thing you can do. This morning, as we close, I'd just like to ask, ask you to honor God by listening. And then honor the kids around you by asking God the question, what should I do for the kids around me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you love kids. And you teach us how to love them. And you teach us how to honor them. Father, I pray for everyone here, God. I pray that your word that has gone forth would produce fruit. I pray that you would give us the wisdom we need to apply it into our lives. I pray that you would give us insight and vision into the kids' lives that are around us. I pray that our love would abound more and more knowledge and depth of insight for them. That we would esteem them as valuable and, and you would show us what their core needs are so that we could be the influence that you called us to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.